Amen. And while I'm teaching, feel free to be in any posture you want. <laughs> it's great to gather together again and to worship God and look at his word. If you haven't been with us, we're in a study, a series of studies called Verses for Life. And what we're going through each week is taking another passage of scripture that I think every Christian ought to memorize, ought to have it in your mind, take it with you, be able to think about it all the time. And memorizing verses, may, you may see that as being something that people don't do nowadays because you can pull it up on your phone whenever you want. But memorizing scripture is a really valuable spiritual discipline that allows you to have access to the truth of God on an ongoing basis during your day. And this, the verses that we're going to look at today, and it was always hard to narrow it down, and I got three verses, and they're you know, a little bit long, but I almost wanted to make it five verses, so I narrowed it down to three, um, and I hope it'll be helpful for you, but it's in Philippians chapter four, verses six, seven, and eight. It's a fairly familiar passage for people, but it's specifically dealing with the believer, the follower of Jesus, and how to be mentally healthy. You know, our mental health is who we are. Like what's going through our minds, what our processes are, what are we thinking about when we're not thinking about anything? It's, you know, as much as our bodies affect our well-being, our, our minds affect our well-being so much more. Like what's immaterial going through our head? And the scriptures it refers a lot to the soul. The, the word for soul is suke. Um, or in the Old Testament, it's the word that's really referring to breath itself, like life itself. And we say that the, your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, everything immaterial about you. Because your body can be fine, but if your head's causing you problems, it ends up affecting your body and destroying your relationships and messing you up in every other way as well. So Paul here in Philippians 4 addresses the issue of anxiety. Uh, anxiety is when your, your mind is racing and you aren't able to really completely focus all the time because thoughts are bombarding you. Now, we are created with the capacity for anxiety, and it's not always a bad thing. Um, anxiety sometimes can save your life. It's that you get in a, a fight or flight situation. There's a wild animal that's coming after you, and your body puts out this cortisol that accelerates your level of awareness that's like you're on full alert. And that's a good thing. And then once the danger goes away and you kill the animal, then you're like, okay, I feel better. I'm sorry if that offends you. But I'm sure some of you would feel better if I said the animal kills you and then you're at peace. But the thing is, we're designed to chemically have that anxiety and then to allow it to alleviate. 
but we artificially have created a society because it's so busy and we're so surrounded by stimuli that everything can make us anxious. It's football season and you can sit there watching a football game of people that you don't know and they don't care about you at all and they're getting ridiculously rich nowadays, even the college players, for just throwing a ball around and yet you're stressed as you're watching it. You're like, ah. it's, it takes control of us. And we, more and more, of course, obviously, movies do this for us. And so you're like, uh, you know, Netflix is so good at creating anxiety. They're, they have things, to be fair, on, on uh, TV that are meant to be peaceful. They're just like nature scenes and nobody watches that stuff. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Give me a murder. Give me a psychopath any day. Because there's something in me that feels more alive when I'm stressed. But at the same time, that stress destroys everything about what life can truly be. It eats away at us. It's really unhealthy. It destroys our bodies as well. And so Paul is dealing with this, the battle for the mind, for anxiety, and here in Philippians 4, he, and in verses 6 through 8, he talks about prayer as being a response to anxiety and prevention for excess anxiety. And he talks about meditation, on the other hand, as being something that can help you to address this problem of anxiety. Now, if you hear meditation and you're here for the first time, you're like, oh boy, some new age weird thing. No, the meditation, God invented it long before the weirdos got a hold of it. And his, his meditation is something very helpful and very specific, as we will talk about a little bit. But prayer and meditation are these two ways of, that are really related in some ways to allow us to address this issue of anxiety that becomes excess. So in verse 6, he says, be anxious for nothing. Now, he isn't just commanding you not to be anxious. It's, if you, if, I don't know if you've known this, but you've probably noticed that when somebody's really worked up, when you tell them not to calm down, you tell them, look, calm down. That doesn't calm anyone down. It's kind of like, quit being mad. It makes you even more mad. So, but what, the way the words are constructed there, to be anxious for nothing, it's, it really is something that means have a limit to your anxiety. Stop being anxious. So that would, it's in, in the Greek, it's in the middle voice, which means this is something that's inside of you, but this is something that you, it's in the present tense, meaning it's continuous. You have a mental battle going on all the time that you better learn to apply the kind of principles that allow you to process your anxiety in a way that it doesn't destroy you. So learn to slow down your anxiety. And here's how you do it. He says, in everything, with prayer and, and you know, supplication and prayer. So he says, be, be anxious for, for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So prayer is a general term, meaning you're talking to God. Supplication means you're going through your list and you're asking him 
to do certain things. Thanksgiving is that you are actually, while you're talking to him, you're also going to let him know that you appreciate the things that he's done before. And so, and then that's how you bring it before God. Well, how does this help deal with anxiety? Uh, For one thing, when you're talking to God, you're already in the presence of somebody who has control. So you know what he can do. But it's especially important. It's important for us to bring our requests to him. And so our, you know, it's not just a conversation with him. There's supplication. There's actually, God, here are the things I'm stressed about right now. Here are the things that I'm asking you to work on. Because now I'm committing it to him. I'm taking it off my plate and putting it on his. But as you ask, then there's this reminder that Paul says, and it needs to be with thanksgiving. You need to act like, you know, God's never done anything for you before. See, when I am stressed about something and I pray and I ask God for it, that's a good first step for sure. But if my prayer doesn't move over to also reminding him of his goodness and telling him what I appreciate, then my perspective is robbed. You don't thank God because God will get resentful if you don't. In fact, when I thank God for what he's done, it's never because I think it'll make God feel better. God's God. He knows my heart. He knows if I'm thankful or if I'm not. If I say I'm thankful, but I'm not, he knows. If if I don't say I'm thankful, but I am, he knows. He's telling us to be thankful because this is a part of the process of us allowing our souls to become leveled and calmed down for the anxiety level to be released for us. Now, Thanksgiving, being thankful is sometimes important for the person you're thanking, but often it's more important for the person who's doing the thanking. Now, when you have little kids and, you know, it's their birthday and they get a bunch of presents from all kinds of random relatives and everything, and, and most of the stuff that they get, they don't care about. They, even when they're really small, they'd rather play with the box and the wrapping paper than the actual present. But what do we do at a kid's birthday party? You know, Aunt Susie got you that. Tell her thank you. Okay, and nowadays it's on FaceTime. Tell Aunt Susie thank you for that you, that you love that thing you just tossed aside. Um, because we understand. We want our kids to grow up being thankful. And so we try to teach them that as much as we can. Well, I think that Paul is here addressing something for us that actually for you to be thankful is good for you. It's something that as you come to God and you go, okay, as a discipline, I'm telling you what I'm worried about, God. I'm telling you what I'm concerned about. Um, But also, I want to remind you, you've been so good to me. I'm not saying you need to do this or I'm sunk. I'm saying I'm coming to you because you've been so good to me already. You've blessed me in countless ways. And as a result, I'm bringing these requests to you because you seem much better able to deal with stress than I do. I never see you anxious. I see me anxious. So there are some things that I want to 
offer up to you and ask for your help, but at the same time, I'm telling you how much I appreciate you. One of the things that we have on our church webpage is called the prayer wall. And I love using it. It's, anybody can go on our church webpage and ccpacifichills.org and click on prayer. And if you have something that you're concerned about, for you or for someone else, you can enter the request in there. And if you put your email address, which they're not going to publish your email address, but what will happen is when somebody prays for your request, you'll get an email that says somebody just prayed for you. And it's really encouraging. I know when I put prayer requests on there, I love seeing that people are actually praying for what I was concerned about. But it also, you know, it's a good discipline to go through. And for me, maybe I don't have a prayer request, but I go on there and I'll just go down the list and pray for other people's concerns. I'll, I'll do intercession on behalf of whoever it is that put the request in. And then I can click. I prayed for this, and I know that they know that somebody prayed for them. It's really a cool thing. It's really a, a great discipline. But it's also something that helps you to feel like, okay, this isn't my problem anymore. I've offered this up to him. And at the same time, I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful for everything that he has done for me. And so what happens when our prayer life is offering him our requests and extending to him our thanksgiving, it makes us more healthy. In fact, every study on happiness that there is that you can find in the last few years, there have been quite a few of them, they almost always, I think everyone I've seen, has making a list of things you're thankful for as being one of the things that happy people do that actually helps people be more happy because you're, you're not feeling the way we are emotionally. When I have a problem, I feel like the world revolves around that problem. But it's so important for me to go, this is messed up, but wow, this and this and this are still fine. It gives me the balance. And so that's why I think Paul says, go ahead and dump it on God and make sure that you're thankful. And so prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God that passes understanding, that surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So what happens is he brings a peace and a lot of times people go, it's a peace that passes understanding, so don't expect to know and understand what God's doing. He's not talking about a mindless peace. He doesn't say it passes understanding. He says it surpasses understanding. That is, it will take you to the end of what you understand, and then it'll take you further. And where it says that he, it will guard your hearts and minds, that word guard there was a specific word that referred to a guard that's out in, on the front lines ahead of you. And so what it's saying is, as much as you know now, there are things you don't know even now, but you can't know the future. The future is something that surpasses our understanding, but we have a front man, we have a guard who is out there ahead of us working. So as I bring him my requests, and as I thank and praise him, then I understand 
that he can give me a peace that doesn't just depend on what I can control or what I know, that it actually extends into the future. And that's really good news indeed. So, you know, he says, you need to learn to manage your anxiety. Don't just keep being anxious all the time. Don't be anxious and just let it eat you up. But take that to the Lord in prayer. Supplication and prayer with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And there's a peace. There's a peace that will extend into the unknown. It will extend into your future. And it will actually guard you. It will protect you. It's looking out for you. And that's something that should make us feel like, oh, good. So we look at what we're anxious about, and we take this and apply it, and now we're halfway home. But there's one more verse, verse 8, that I wanted to include in this, even though it's like, oh, that's a lot already. I think verses 6 and 7 I can work on for a week, and I hope you do. But verse 8 is, the other, is another side to this issue. And that is the issue of meditation, of what are you really thinking on. Meditation is to intentionally consider and process and think. It's, it's not a word that, that refers to mindlessness. It's not a word that just like empty your mind or just me- meditate on one random fake word. Or ne- No, it's... Meditation is take responsibility for what you're thinking, that process, that logical process of what you're thinking. And we'll talk about that as we get to it. But as he starts out, he's telling us what we need to think about actively, again, in response to the anxiety that we're wanting to put behind us. And he tells us a bunch of things that we should think about, be processing, that we should be meditating on. So... What do we meditate on? Um, Each one of these things are positive qualities that we need to funnel and channel our minds toward. Now, um, why he tells us to think on, meditate on these things? Because most of what's giving us anxiety are things that we shouldn't be elevating to the point of the importance that we've elevated them to. But you can't just tell somebody Stop thinking about this and this and this and this. So it'd be, I I could easily say, quit worrying about your kids. They'll be fine. Quit worrying about your job. If it's not there, you'll find another job. Quit worrying about your, you know, about what's going on in the world. Quit worrying about it. But the more you talk about what you don't want to worry about, the more you think about them in the process. It's kind of like if I tell you, okay, I need your full cooperation here. I want everyone in this room to not think of a pink elephant. Don't. Of course, we all think of a pink elephant. But if I tell you to think about something else, like if I tell you to now think of a blue elephant, let's all imagine a blue elephant, what happened to the pink one? And so the kind of, this is like God's sort of positive thinking in a way, and People who, you know, positive thinkers love verses like this, but it's the Bible. It's a part of life. It's, 
you know, it's, it's not all of life, but it's important for us to spend our energy focusing on those things, those positive truths that actually transform us and set us free from the kinds of things that make us slaves. So what are the things that he tells us to think about? He starts out, whatever things are true. That word, the Greek word there for true is a word that means revealed, like it's not hidden. So there's not a secret agenda. It's the truth revealed. And so think about things that are real, genuine. And so, but then he goes on, whatever things are true, then he says, whatever things are noble. That word noble means regal or you know, high and, and lifted up uh, like a king or something. And so to think about who's really in charge, who's really the king of the universe, it's like, whoa, once I, it's one of the reasons why we worship too is that we're focusing our attention on something bigger than ourselves. So think about things that are true Think about things that are noble or royal. Think about things that are just, whatever things are just. The word just means fair, but the way that, that fairness comes about in the language is that when, if you're going to be just, you consider, it, it's, it's a term that was used a lot in, in uh, you know, jurisprudence. You listen to both sides of an argument. You don't just hang on to what you think. You want to listen to what other people think too. And if you're truly being just or fair, now you're considering all of those things. So you're going, it's true, it's noble, it's just. And then he says, whatever things are pure. So that's like sift it through. Eliminate all the things like, I was talking to someone this week about who had a big decision that they were going to make and, and they had reasons for both. And so they were trying to be just, they were trying to be fair. But I said, now what you need to do is you look at all the reasons why you might do this and why you might do this and now eliminate all the arguments that you think really aren't worth having a prominent place. So you begin to to find, to boil it down to something pure, to remove all the excess so that you can find something that's more simple. Then he says, whatever things are lovely. Lovely is the Greek word prosphalase. It's a, a wonderful word, really. Pros means toward, and phalase from phileo means love or friendship. And so it's the idea of when you're thinking, Think about ways that you can move toward friendship. Think about using your energy and your thought life in a way that moves you towards connecting with other people and having them perceive your love. And so, again, you're going to be thinking on things that are lovely or toward love or toward friendship, toward goodness. And then he says, whatsoever things are of good report. I know this is a lot to digest, tough. But, um, you know, good report, that word refers to the, you know, it's a message that is good. It's, but it's actually, the word famous comes from the root word of this, but it's good famous, you famous. 
And so it's like, when you're talking about people, are you gossiping about them in a positive way or a negative way? You love when you, if you overheard someone talking about you or somebody even comes to you and says, you know, I know so-and-so that knows you and boy, they said you're an amazing person. It's like, wow, somebody said that behind my back? That's really cool. On the other hand, if you know that people are talking trash behind your back, that becomes really stressful, but it also is stressful to the person who's even doing it. So he's saying a part of your meditation needs to be look for good gossip about people. Look for things that move toward the, the talking about others and contact with others that's in a positive way. So again, that's true, that's noble, that's just, that's pure, that's lovely. It's like toward love. Anything that's worthy of the kind of contact with people that's, that's worthy of praise, those are things that we think about. But, uh, but good report, really, gossip that's good, basically. And then he says, or if there is virtue. So virtue is a word that means, um, well, literally it means like a man in the best sense. And they would think of this word as being courageous and solid and, and dependable and hardworking and all of those kinds of things. Now, I know nowadays you can't really say that because men are supposed to be ashamed of themselves all the time, but this was what, this was what Paul said. Think about virtue. Is there such a thing as somebody who's legitimately a virtuous person? a good person, a person that's strong that you can depend on. Think about that and acknowledge that. And then finally he says, if there's anything praiseworthy, is there anything worth really worshiping God about? And so as he goes through all these, and then he says, think on or literally meditate on these things. Now, uh, meditate that use their luggage am I is a word, the root of it is, is the same word from which we get logic. It's also the same word from which we get Legos. It's, it's a word that means, and you know, Jesus in John 1 is called the word, the logos. But in their mentality, that was this amazing process that we have to be able to formulate within our minds to put things together, to calculate things, to estimate things, it's the amazing power of the brain using it in that way. It's why they, they call Legos Legos, because here are these plastic blocks that if you don't do anything with them, but just scatter them around on the floor, you'll step on them with your bare feet and they'll hurt and then you'll wish you hadn't bought them. But you take Legos and use an imagination and you can make almost anything from them. And it's why for many of us, maybe we outgrew Legos, but then we find other things that kind of can provide that sort of an outlet because the ability to look at something, envision it, and creatively sort it out, understand it, and construct it, that's what meditation is. So he's saying, 
intentionally with your mind. Approach life, approach your problems, approach reality as a standpoint of let me meditate on this. Let me process this. What's the truth? What's real? What is high and noble? What is just, fair? What is pure and cleaned up? What is lovely or toward, you know, toward love, toward affection? What is a report that I can make about people that's good? What would virtue really look like and how could I be more of a dependable, solid person? What is it that's worth our praise? And take those things and intentionally meditate, intentionally think creatively. See, I, in my life, there are always stuff, there's always stuff going on that I could stress about. And in your life, it's the same way. Unless, I, don't, I know a few people that just seem to not have that gene, but for most of us, that's a part of our process. And so Paul's like going, look, your stress is not helping you. It's not helping anyone else. So dial into your prayer, and then you deliberately think of those things that fit these categories. Make a list of them. Contemplate them. Think about them as you go through your day. And then also, you can begin to check off things and go, you know, that's really less than noble, or that's not really fair, or that's kind of cluttered, or I'm really not talking about someone in a way that's going to make me better friends with them. And so, or that's not something that I can praise God about. And so it's working our way through this list that is a very intentional way that our programs can be rewired in our mind so that we cannot become slaves to the cortisol bursts of anxiety that attack us all the time. Anxiety will destroy you if you can't get a handle on it. And prayer and meditation are the ways that Paul gives us in these three verses for how to do it. Now you might go, that's a lot, Dave. That's a lot to remember. So I'm gonna just give you, this will go really quick because our time's up anyway, but almost. But I remember things by, by constructing pictures that remind me of them. It's kind of, it's a positive thing that I do when I wanna remember something. I make it in a way that I can, I make stories or I make pictures in order to do it. And if you've known me for a long time, you know that's, uh, that's kind of the way my brain works. So in verse eight, I just wanna give you this, but what we're gonna, we're gonna remember these things because I want you to meditate on them. But here's, here's the thing. Look at this room that we're sitting in. Okay, the first thing is going to be this pulpit, because I'm speaking from it, it's right here. Second is the cross behind me, and you can see that. Third are the TVs that are hanging up front. See, we're working our way around the room. Next is the drum set, followed by those stairs that go down there to the seating right over here, to the the seats in the very back to the dove above the back door to the exit. So I think you can handle that. So it's like one is the pulpit, two is the cross, three are the TVs, four is, yeah, the drum set, five, the steps heading down, six, the seats over there, seven, do you remember that? 
Yeah, the back row back there, eight, the dove, and nine is the doors as you're heading out. So, wow, did you, I just waste your time? No, <laughs> check this out. Whatsoever is true. When I think of the pulpit, I think this is a place that truth should emanate from. And I do the best I can to represent that well, but I think for so many of us, the greatest truths that we've heard in life came out of pulpits as people opened the word of God and shared it with us. So number one in verse eight, whatever is true, pulpit. Second, whatever is noble or like kingly. Look at the cross. The king of the world died on that cross. So I look at the cross and I imagine a crown hanging from one side of the cross. Just to remind me that that's where the king went for us, whatever is noble. Now look at the two TVs, whatever is just. Remember justice involves hearing both sides of a situation and sorting them out and answering it. So we're gonna have a little debate and one side is gonna be presented on this TV and then the other side is gonna be presented on this TV. So two TVs together represent justice because both sides are considered. Got that so far? Drum set, whatsoever is pure. So just imagine that drum set's a little dusty. It kind of is. So it needs to be cleaned up. So they come out, you know, drummers are really kind of funny and so they, they use purified water in order to clean it. It's gonna be whatever is pure. So imagine somebody with purified water spraying it on the drums and wiping them down whatever is pure. So lovely, and again, lovely means toward love or toward friendship, but lovely is the word you're gonna remember and then you can remember what it means. Um, picture whatever you think is lovely, like I think of a bride wearing a bride's dress walking down those steps, and I go, that is lovely. So that's what I see on those steps. Now, good report, good gossip, um, I, I'm thinking of a group of people over here following the service that they decide they just get together and they're talking about everyone else in here, but they're people who are just nuts about all they want to do is say, did you see how nice that person's smile was? Did you, you know, so good to see this person. This, that person, I know they've been going through a hard time or they're walking with a walker. And I'm just, I love the fact that they have the courage to come here. So that's the good gossip section right over there. And then if there's anything virtuous, think of who you know that you believe is a person of virtue. Someone who is like solid character. Whoever that person is, just see them sitting, right? You'll have to ignore the people who are actually sitting there. <laughs> and unless one of them happens to be your virtue people, but generally... Imagine that person, and I have one of mine, and you can have your own, sitting right there, whatever is, whatever, if there's virtue. And then you come to the back door, and I look up at the dove, and I think, that dove, the Holy Spirit, reminds me to praise God. That when I'm, before I leave, he is worthy of my praise. And so I'm imagining lifting up my hands and looking up and saying, oh, Holy Spirit, thank you for being within me. Thank you for the way you've blessed me today. So that's praiseworthy. 
then meditate on these things, I want you to head out the doors meditating, processing what it is that, you know, that God wants you to do this week in order to think about these things, in order to plant these seeds in your mind that will then crowd out all of the negative stuff that's making you anxious and depressed and miserable, focusing on that as you head out the door. So whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, good gossip. If there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The next verse, he goes on and says, you know, everything that you've heard and seen received from me, do what I do, do what I tell you. I couldn't do that verse because it'd be a disaster if you did everything I do. But I'm just, you can follow Paul. Um, give me another 20 years of, of maturity before you follow me. But intentionally saying, I refuse to be a slave to anxiety. Instead, I am going to focus my prayer life as I pray constantly, full of thanksgiving, laying it out to God, receiving a peace that will carry me beyond what I know, beyond what I understand, and then I'm intentionally programming my mind with the truth. This isn't just what the Bible says. This is absolutely powerful. If we are going to experience life the way that God has intended us to, and so I hope, I hope that helps you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and for your truth. And we shouldn't be surprised that you have incredible insights into our souls, into our mind, because you invented them and were created in your image. Lord, help us to respond to what we see in these three verses and that this week we would not only remember these verses, but we would practice the things that you instruct us to practice while we are, you know, going over these verses in our minds. Thank you for our minds, capable of so much destruction and capable of so much blessing, so much logic, so much just putting things together and sorting them out. Lord, may we use our minds and our disciplines this week in a constructive and helpful way to remove the destructive influences that want to just destroy us and tear us apart. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.